Welcome to the second episode of QU Netter The First Decade, the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine, 10th Anniversary Oral History Podcast Series. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Coplin. In the last podcast, you heard about many milestones in the early development of the school, but none were as meaningful as the first students arriving on campus. The inaugural class of 60 students began orientation in August 2013, and the week concluded with the school's first white coat ceremony. 24 faculty members had been hired to teach in the year one and two curriculum, and classes began on August 19, 2013. The class of 2017 was starting their journey and were very much a part of the continued development of the medical school. I am Dr. Kumba Adia Hines. I graduated from Nutter in 2017, and I am currently a family medicine clinician. I am a clinical faculty member at Beth Israel Leahy Health Primary Care and also through the Center for Primary Care at Harvard Medical School. When we think about the model of adopters of innovation, by choosing a brand new medical school, you were definitely a trailblazer. So what affected your decision to enter the first class of a new medical school? There were a couple of considerations. I mean, I'm I'm the first born, so I've been kind of used to trailblazing, so to speak, you know, since infancy. So I'm not afraid of new things, new adventures. I also am from Connecticut, so I am familiar with Quinnipiac's reputation, some of the the newer faculty members who are transitioning over uh, to the institution at that time. And I knew that I wanted to, number one, be close to home during this time because I knew it was going to be an exciting but stressful time going into medicine. And number two, I actually wanted to go somewhere where I had an opportunity to pave my own way a little bit, where I thought that I'd have a little bit more flexibility to pursue the you know, interests that I had in research and also the interests that I had clinically and wanted to make sure that I would feel well supported in those. I was a very sort of non-traditional candidate in that I did my master's in public health. I did research. I worked in industry for a number of years prior to entering medical school. And so I just, I think, had a slightly different idea of what I, I wanted to do and kind of how I wanted to do that. And I felt that going to a new medical school in familiar territory would allow me to kind of pursue my my unique interests. And that turned out to be true. Do you have any particular memories of the very beginning of first year in terms of the newness of the school, right? So you're coming in and you're the very first students to sit in the very first lecture halls and, you know, all those new pieces. Do you have any memories around that? Well, I think the memories are are largely sensory at this point. Like I remember the building itself just feeling very like bright and clean and open. I remember even just something as small as the pieces of equipment that were being utilized still had like the plastic wrapping on the casing. I remember, I think, the excitement sort of amongst the faculty and also amongst the students it was really palpable. Like it was, all the things that I'm remembering are really more sensory, kind of just like that that feeling like, oh, wow, you know, we're, we're starting something new. And then, you know, there were some experiences that I remember that were a little bit more emotional that were at, at the very beginning, like our first anatomy class. That for me was very emotional experience. And I remember one of the professors basically encouraging us to remember that the person that was in front of us, you know, on the sort of on the lab table, that this was a person who loved others, who was loved, who had a family, and really highlighted the importance of treating this being with 
respect and, you know, kindness as we ourselves were going through the process of learning, you know, learning anatomy. And I thought that was really beautiful, but was also really emotional for me. And I, I, I did, I was one of the ones who kind of had to excuse myself and had a little bit of a tearful moment, but I think it was, it's something that I'll, I'll never forget. And similarly, do you have any particular memories about being the first students to go off into clerkships? Clerkships were an adventure. I think what was helpful was that the institutions where we were doing clerkships were used to educating students and residents. That was great. I think that part of the adventure had to do with kind of the the fact that we worked at several different institutions throughout the state, you know, for the different clerkships, not, you know, not having kind of like a single medical system or hospital entity that we were necessarily affiliated with at the time, I think was part of the adventure. At the time, I may not have appreciated it as much as I do now. I think in hindsight, it did a couple of things for me. One is it forced us to work in areas where we had extremely different patient populations. So for instance, I did my pediatrics clerkship and I think I was in Greenwich, which you know is one of the wealthiest areas in the United States. And then we had internal medicine clerkships in, you know, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We had surgical clerkships in Waterbury. And so we were really all over the state, which I think was was good in hindsight because we had plenty of exposure to two different populations of people. So I think that was a wonderful thing. I also think that the use of different electronic medical electronic uh, medical records at the time, again, it felt like more of a pain point, but in hindsight was really helpful because that level of flexibility made it really easy for me to adapt when I transi- transitioned into residency. And then now I'm using a different, you know, yet another electronic medical record system, you know, as a as an attending clinician. I would say if I could think of those those initial moments for clerkships, I would say adventure is a is the word that comes to mind. A lot of I think, you know, good learning from a clinical perspective. What was it like for you to come back and be the keynote speaker for the white coat ceremony in 2021? I thought it was really exciting. It was a a huge honor. I felt like the time, oh, geez, we were still dealing with COVID. And I felt like it was really important that I just talk to these, these students. I was so impressed by them and their decision to enter medicine at such a I want to say turbulent time. And I was just really blown away by that commitment. And it felt really emotional bearing witness to their, you know, donning of of the white coats. I am Dr. Erin White. I am a graduate of the first class at Netter, so 2017. I am now a surgical resident at Yale doing general surgery. I'm in my fourth year of clinical time, but as part of that um, training program, we do two years of research. So I've done two years of the medical education master's at Yale as well. And I'm currently in the process of applying to fellowships in burn, trauma, and critical care. Erin, of course, I am so happy to hear that you're pursuing medical education as a career. Did your experience as a QU netter affect your career decisions at all? Or did you know the path that you wanted to take? So I knew that I was interested in doing education before I started at Netter. I was a middle school math and science teacher for two years before deciding to go back to medical school. And then I had to do a, a post back, and then and then obviously I was at Netter after that. Well, I definitely think that Netter sort of helped me continue that passion and, and doing the capstone in medical education was... Uh, kind of a selling point for why I wanted to come to Netter. I I would say rather than Netter making me want to go into medical education, I chose Netter because I wanted to go into medical Mm -hmm. education. What was it like to be in the first class of a brand new medical school? It was a really tight-knit group. And I think because when we arrived on campus, half the building was still under construction. There were no other students really in the building. The law school was like, not even 
begun to be built yet. There were sections of the building that were blocked off for ongoing construction. There was no class above us. There was no class below us. So it was really just us and the faculty in the building. And so you knew everybody. So you showed up and every face was familiar, every security guard, every cleaning person, every faculty member, everybody knew each other because there were only maybe a hundred of us on campus any given day. And that was it. It was the whole medical school. And so I thought that was a really unique experience from what I've seen since I've left. It seems like that tight knit relationship between the faculty and the students has continued somewhat. But I definitely think that it was really special being in that first class. It was a smaller class than future classes. And being the only students on campus, we really got to have this unique experience where we were all super close doing this brand new thing together. The first class of students, I think... I think there was only one or two people in my class who had gone straight through. Almost everybody else had taken one gap year. Some of us had taken multiple. Yeah, I remember interviewing at a few other places, and I was always the oldest person in the room by a long shot because I was 27 coming into medical school, which now seems ridiculously young. At the time, seemed ridiculously old. Every other interview I went on was with these like children. They were still undergrads, and here I was. I'd already had a job. I had a master's degree, and I felt old in every single interview. And in the interview at Quinnipiac, I was average. Everybody else in the room had done something as well. And I think 27 was the average age of my class. We had people who were close to 40 and we had some people who were younger. I think there were a good number who were 22, 23, 24. Everybody brought something else to the class that was unique. They weren't just your run-of-the-mill pre-med who had taken all of their chemistry and bio and done all the right check boxes. Everybody else had, they had something else to bring to the table. And I thought that was something really special about our class. My name is Dr. Ed Kobayashi. I was class of 2017 at Netter, part of the first class. And I'm currently a faculty member at the UCSF uh, Department of Family and Community Medicine. I'm an assistant clinical professor in the department, and I also am part of a faculty practice in primary care where I am serving as assistant medical director. So, as you said, you were in the inaugural class of medical students in 2013. Why did you decide to come to a brand new medical school? For me, it was just a really remarkable opportunity to be be a part of and create something new. I think looking back from my interview day to the second look to the first week we all came together in person, there was just this really big sense of excitement and trying to do things in a new way. And I think going into medical school, I I was also reflecting on all the challenges I had heard about the healthcare profession and medical profession and how in so many ways it's fragmented and broken and has you know, real, real, very profound disparities and injustices within it. And so when I thought about the type of environment I want to train in and the colleagues I want to be around and the faculty I want to be mentored by, I didn't want to go somewhere where it was business as usual, but I, I really wanted to be a part of kind of a collective effort to to acknowledge that things need to be done differently, physicians need to be trained differently, and that us as students would be like an important partner in that creation. Tell me about the relationship of the students with the faculty and staff when you were at QU Netter. That was one of the most memorable parts, I think, was how close we felt to the faculty. And I think think it was pretty reciprocated in terms of how the faculty felt about us. Very friendly, definitely with mutual respect and also just the shared commitment to be better and to give feedback to each other and to grow in the process. So... I think we were very invested in each other's growth and there was a lot of shared milestones because everything was new. Like we had our first lecture ever, our first exam ever, our first step ever. And, you know, I I think working towards accreditation together, 
but also the more smaller milestones like our first social. Every step of the way was a shared milestone together. So I think that made it feel very special. Uh, your success was my success. And I also think, you know, your struggle was my struggle. And so we were just navigating through things together. What is something that you remember about your time at QU Netter that other people might be surprised to learn? I remember, this is so random, but I remember in the beginning when we just started, everyone, like the first lecture, I think basically the entire school showed up, all the students, all the faculty, even ad- admin team, I think showed up. And yeah, it just felt like it was more than just a simple lecture. Everybody kind of clapped at the end. And that actually continued for a very long time. We would all like clap for a very long time after every lecture. And looking back now, you know, it, it, in some ways silly, but I also think it, it really did demonstrate, you know, how invested we each were in each other's success and growth. Yeah, it was nice. It, we, I, I don't think any of us were taking for granted the opportunity to be a part of it. Not to say there weren't challenges and road bumps, but I think that spirit was something that stayed throughout all four years. Very soon after classroom learning started, the students began their medical student home experience, or MESH, spending one afternoon per week in the ambulatory setting, learning one-on-one with a physician in their practice. MESH acclimates students to primary care and medical specialty practice environments and provides students with opportunities to practice and develop patient-centered communication skills and apply clinical skills learning in a patient care setting. My name is Melissa Pensa. I use she, her pronouns. I am the Clinical Director of Quality and Wellbeing at Fairhaven Community Healthcare. I'm a family physician, and I have students in the MESH program, as well as third-year clerkship students from Netter, and I oversee students who are doing their capstone. You've served as a MESH preceptor since 2014. What motivated you to want to serve in this role? So when I was a medical student, Unfortunately, now close to 20 years ago, we had a program similar to MESH. And I went to medical school thinking I was going to be an oncologist. That's for sure what I was going to do. But we were all paired with a primary care clinician. I loved my sight. And I'm going to say that my preceptor was Dr. Tracy Marquis, who is on Netter faculty. So I just adored her relationships with her patients. And she even set up for me to work with an oncologist on you know, my, what I'm going to call mesh days because she knew that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't like that experience as much. I just loved working in the family medicine primary care setting. And I got so much out of that. It was one of my favorite aspects of medical school, just seeing you know, not just the practice of medicine, but actually how that doctor-patient relationship forms and what it looks like in real life. And I just adore, adore those relationships. And I, I think, you know, because that was how I learned medicine, that's what I want to do for other people is to provide them with that opportunity. Do you have any specific memories that come to mind when you think about first having Netter students come to your practice for either for your their mesh experience or for clerkship? Probably my most vivid memory was when a second year student approached me. I still remember her email. It was very poised and professional. She had heard about me through one of my mesh students and she knew she wanted to do something related to community health and connecting people to food, which I was very involved in at the time and still am to some degree. She was very warm and inviting and also very professional and insertive and said, I'm doing a capstone and, you know, this is the time that I have and this will be your role and I really want to do what you're doing. Will you mentor me? I was just so impressed with her and the work that she did was amazing. We piloted a food voucher program for for people with diabetes and food insecurity. She, you know, connected to people directly did amazing work, made it sustainable. The project went on without her, presented it nationally, and uh, has since gone on 
to win award. She's a National Clinical Scholar and was recently recognized by the American Clinicians for the Underserved. We want students to find us and we want to encourage students to do community health. So that's that's probably a, a fond memory I have. Circling back to August 2013, it was a busy month. In addition to the class of 2017 beginning classes, construction on the new building was completed and the Institutes for Global Public Health, Primary Care, and Rehabilitation Medicine were established. September 12, 2013 marked the official opening of the new building with a dedication and celebration of the Center for Medicine, Nursing, and Health Sciences. And Dr. David Satcher, the former U.S. Surgeon General, was the keynote speaker. During the dedication ceremonies, the portraits of Dr. Frank H. Netter and Mr. and Mrs. Edward and Barbara Netter were unveiled and were hung at the entrance to the School of Medicine where they remain today. The building was complete and classes underway, and the faculty, leadership, and staff were continuing to develop and refine all aspects of the school. I'm Mara Sassenti, Director of Administration, and in this role, I provide leadership and direction for the administrative functions of the school, as well as manage strategic planning. I joined QU Netter in July of 2013, a few weeks before the first class, and took over for Mary Zafino in her role as assistant to the dean. You have a very cool resume, Mara. Before coming to QU Netter, you worked for Rosa DeLauro, the U.S. representative for Connecticut's 3rd Congressional District. What was it like to transition from that role into medical education? I had been working for Congresswoman DeLauro since graduating from college, and I was looking to make a career change. After meeting everyone at Netter, I knew it was somewhere that I really wanted to work. Anna Sprague was the director of student affairs at the school, and she said to me, we have this position at the School of Medicine, and I think you should interview for it. And so I took Anna up on her offer, and I came to QU Netter, and I met everyone here, and I just remember thinking leaving. It's kind of like a joke now, but it just felt like Disney World. Everybody was happy and excited. There was this feeling of endless possibilities. And I just came away from that day thinking that I just had to work there. I had to be part of this um, amazing new opportunity. And I think coming away from that, what I most appreciate about working in medical education is the opportunities for professional growth and development and that sense of positivity that I still feel today. I would say that since you came to QU Netter, you quickly became the person that everyone goes to for questions, for problems, for ideas. And when any staff role has been vacant, you've served in the interim role. In having that very broad experience, is there anything that you've learned that other people might be surprised to learn, either about the school or your learning experience or yourself? Or is there an interesting perspective that that broad experience has given you? So in thinking back, a lot of people will maybe jokingly say, so what roles are you doing now? Or Mara is always the person that answers all of the questions. And so most people would see that as a negative, like you're taking on more work. But I think for me, given the size of our school, that we're compelled to take on roles and responsibilities that we may not have had the opportunity to, to do so at other institutions. And I, I think they've provided me with both unique opportunities for growth and professional development, but at times it's also provided opportunities for human connection. So during COVID, students were taking their exams remotely, but I knew that there were some cohort of our students that would do better taking exams in person. And so I offered to come to campus to provide a space where students could take the exams in person. And I remember every time there was an exam, the same students would sit in the same seats and they would have their masks on. And so I would have some sense of who those students were and we would make some personal connections and we would laugh and joke and get ready for the exams. And then fast forward COVID, um, our masks are off. And I was walking up the beautiful staircase that we have with the sunlight coming down. It was sort of that aha moment. One of those students stopped me and she just said, oh, my day's better because I, I got the chance to see you. And we both had smiles on our faces. And so it's those moments where when I wouldn't have normally had the opportunity to proctor exams and we, what we came through with COVID. And so even now, every time I see that student, I'm looking forward to seeing her 
at graduation that those human connections um, and so those opportunities that you wouldn't normally get when you take on things that you didn't imagine yourself doing. It's those connections that you make with other people. What is a pivotal moment in Netter's history that you remember? And what was it like? Or why was it important? Everyone watches white coat ceremonies online, but I had never been to one before. And so I remember sitting in the back of the basketball court and just I got a lump in my throat like you're sort of that all of those emotions take over and you hear what it means to put on a white coat and you're there part of that experience. And you're I'm not going to medical school, but to supporting the students and being in that experience and what it must be like for them. And so for me, I would say it was that first white coat ceremony. And it really it took place prior to the opening of the formal dedication of the building in September. So I think that really speaks to the importance of putting the students foremost in our experience here at Netter that we had the white coat ceremony before we actually dedicated the building. By May 2014, the first year of classes was complete. And in August 2014, the second class, which was increased to 90 students, matriculated in the School of Medicine. Just like all of the other roles and departments in the School of Medicine, the admissions process needed to be developed from scratch, and the admissions team worked hard to represent the school well, create efficient and effective systems, and recruit an academically outstanding and diverse group of students. My name is Mike Cole. I'm Director of Admissions, and I've led the admissions operations here at the Frank H. Netter School of Medicine since its founding. Mike, when did you come to Netter? I started at Netter on August 31st, 2012, which is one day after my birthday. Dave Gillen, actually, when he made me the offer, wanted me to start on August 30th. And I said, can I start the next day? Because August 30th is my birthday. And he said, absolutely. I was wondering how you remembered that so precisely. That's great. I think that it is safe to say that you are a fixture of QU Netter and you are beloved. I have such a great memory of the appreciation celebration that the first year class threw for all of the faculty and staff. And I think that the award you received was the person who can talk to anyone, anywhere, about anything, anytime, or something along those lines. That's what I remember it. As, and you stood up before your name was even called and walked to the podium, sort of mid-title of the award, and you had us all crying with laughter. That was such a great day, and it meant so much to everybody, to all the faculty and staff. What are your memories about that day? I do remember that day clearly, and what I remember are actually two things. One is... I remember such a genuine appreciation for each other at that day. I remember getting the invitation and it said it was a faculty staff appreciation. And this was our first class. And I think there was such a genuine feeling of each of us, whether it be first year students or faculty staff who were working their way with this new school to accreditation, being so important to one another and to be able to see, to share an appreciation. When we were at the program where these were all being announced and they were some very funny ones and things of that sort, I'm sure like most people, I was kind of waiting to hear what mine might be and listening. And mine was actually one of the last ones. And so as everyone was kind of doing theirs and they'd walk up and said, okay, well, here comes the next one. And then I had no idea what it might be. Um, but as I often say to people, if talking too much and for too long is my worst quality, I'll take it. And then when they started talking, I just thought, who else could it be? And so I said, I'm just going to go up before they even say my name because it's clearly me. And, you know, I think obviously it's fun and kind of jokey and things of that sort. I think it speaks to what I would hope to accomplish, which is to have a great relationship with people and hope that I'm invested in them and that they can feel it and that they care about them and really want to speak to them. They do, Mike. I promise you that I think that that's so much of who you are and everybody knows that. 
What is something you remember about your time at QU Netter that other people might be surprised to learn? I think when people think about admissions, they often think of it as the front door, prospective students looking to be admitted. And then once they're admitted, you've done your job. They've sort of no longer maybe have as much use for you. And perhaps the relationship ends there. And I think people might be surprised to know that I actually have many relationships with past students who continue on and they're no longer sort of the students to me, but they're friends. And that's been really special. In fact, one of our first year students who married one of our other first year students, Van and Allison, but we were recently talking about his two kids and he was showing me pictures of them from Halloween. And so I think sometimes when people look at an admissions person, they think, okay, well, they have this very brief interaction with the students and then it kind of ends. But I think that's not just what my hope wouldn't be, but also what Netter allows and the kind of community that is formed here, that we continue to interact with each other and be in each other's lives even after the students have graduated. What was it like to see the first class of students graduate in 2017? It's interesting to me that in most cases, when people talk about the culmination of the education experience or sort of the high point, it's graduation. Because for me, graduation oftentimes is a formality. For me, it's match day. That is my favorite day of the Mm -hmm. year. And particularly when I think of that first year class, as we all sat anxiously thinking, where are they going to match to? Where are they going to go? And just that excitement and that anticipation and the unknown, as you literally open your envelopes all at the same time and at the same time of everyone around the country. So I don't remember much about graduation, um, except I'm sure it was a joyous time. What I remember most with the first year class was really that match day and the idea of they've done their job, Netter's done their job, Uh, our students are going on to great places where they're going to continue their career. Another critically important part of the admissions office was the creation of the Health Career Pathways Program which was developed to increase the number of individuals underrepresented in medicine and provide a more diverse workforce to meet healthcare needs of the communities they serve. My name is Charles Collier, Assistant Dean for the Office of Equity, Inclusion and Diversity and Director of the Health Careers Pathway. Charles, when did you come to QU Netter? I came in the month of July, 2012. What was your experience when you first arrived? There was a lot of excitement. There was some trepidation because there was a lot to do in order for us to welcome our first class of students at Netter. But that excitement, I think, motivated everyone to to do their best and to get it done. Can you tell us about some of the most impactful contributions that either you feel that you've made or that your office has led? Part of my responsibility was certainly to connect to our surrounding community around the campus and the um, Pan New Haven, Hamden area. And I was able to do that earlier on, establishing partnerships with uh, various organizations that could benefit from our School of Medicine resources in supporting young learners. But more importantly, I had the responsibility of building a program for our incoming medical students. It was the pre-matriculation program that allows students to be acclimated to the Netter environment prior to starting their first year. And so that was one of the things that I was able to develop earlier on. The pre-matriculation program uh, accepts students who will start their first year here at Netter. It provides them with a preview of the first year curriculum. It allows them to begin to create their own peer community here at Netter. 
and it addresses those learning skills that they will need to be successful in their first year. We do that over a six-week period with the support of our faculty and administrators and, and staff. And uh, we've been doing that since 2013. How many enrichment programs are there now? And can you tell us maybe about one of them? We have three distinct health profession programs. One is called our Young Scientists Program, which is for our fourth and fifth graders. And we work with a local grassroots community uh, center in New Haven to support that grade level. Another program is our Netter Junior Club, which is at our middle school that we provide, again, science-enriched information and career building. And lastly, we have our Netter Health Professions Club, which are at our area high schools. And so very distinct programs for each grade level for what we are hoping to do, which is primarily to enrich, to interest, and to really inform all of those students around health career possibilities. What about QU Netter is most rewarding to you or most special? I would have to say our students. Year in and year out, we seem to attract students who are so dedicated to community. But once they're here, they demonstrate their interest and commitment to community. And I think that's what makes uh, Netter special. We've always been a part of, of community building, both internally and externally. And our students are, I think, most responsible for that involvement. In February 2015, the Liaison Committee on Medical Education, or LCME, granted the School of Medicine provisional accreditation, which was the next step of the accreditation process before full accreditation. Curriculum development for years three and four was in full swing, as was student life, with two classes of students filling the halls, classrooms, and study rooms. My name is Dr. Kim Pham. I was the Associate Dean for Student Affairs from 2015 to 2021. My office was responsible for academic support, career planning, student engagement, and well-being. I now reside with my family in Hawaii. I joined Netter before it welcomed its first students. I was still uh, clinically active as a primary care physician at the time, and my early focus was to contribute to the behavioral and social sciences curriculum. I think my training in public health provided some valuable perspective on that front. It was really exciting to work with committed faculty and administration to launch a new school, and it wasn't long before I became heavily involved in teaching in each of the three main courses, as well as advising and mentoring capstone projects. I became the uh, Associate Dean for Student Affairs as the inaugural class was about to enter their clinical rotations in third year. And this was a rare opportunity to help establish new policies and procedures. In my career, I've had to balance sometimes competing priorities of primary care and public health. And serving as dean of students, I noted several parallels. One has to advocate for individuals while fostering a healthy environment for the rest of the community and allocating resources accordingly. Are the classes of students unique? If so... What was unique about that first class, the class of 2017? Classes certainly manifest personalities. Sometimes these were related to the composition of the class, for instance, with respect to gender balance. For some classes, social movements like Black Lives Matter and the global pandemic inspired them to express their voices and take action. I believe the inaugural class would accurately be described as a group of pioneers, and I think you'll hear this term over and over again. The admissions team were remarkably successful in recruiting individuals who were not only willing to take a chance on a new program, but who also very diligently took on the responsibility of carving a path for the classes behind them. 
These students proactively worked with the faculty and the staff to identify areas of strength on which to build and areas in need of improvement, despite the fact that they might not directly benefit from the changes themselves. And I thought that was admirable. As the Associate Dean for Student Affairs, you gave quite a lot to the students. You were there to be their support and to help and guide and teach. What did you learn in return from the students? Well, first of all, those are very kind words. I've always found working with students to be energizing. I enjoyed working with them as individuals to identify their own pathways for growth and fulfillment. And I also enjoyed fostering the power that groups of students can harness to enact positive change. Their idealism and their capacity for innovative thinking are so refreshing and definitely worth embracing. In June 2015, the class of 2017 excitedly ventured into their third-year clerkships, and our affiliate partner sites assumed the primary teaching role for the first class of students. Dr. Richard Stahl had been working to identify hospitals and clinical partners where our students would have excellent learning experiences. Dr. Richard Stahl, I started at the Netter School of Medicine as the Senior Associate Dean for Strategic Relationships. My role has been to establish relationships with organizations and enhance existing relationships with organizations and individuals that support the education of our students, their research efforts, and those of the faculty, and also to support and execute strategic or special projects or initiatives. In September of 2022, I transitioned to being a special advisor to the dean of the Netter School of Medicine for strategic relationships, and I continue in that role now. Rick, when did you come to QU Netter? Tell me a little bit about that and about what you were doing before you joined Netter, and what was that shift like? So I came to Netter in the very middle of the 2014-2015 academic year, and uh, the inaugural class was approaching the beginning of their clinical rotations at the time. And um, at that point, I had been in a part-time private practice of plastic and reconstructive surgery, but most of my time for the previous 20 years had been spent in a progression of executive roles at the Yelena Haven Hospital and Yelena Haven Health System. And so uh, Dean Kappen and I had actually been in touch for somewhere between one and one and a half years about the notion of my coming to Netter. I mean, I really wasn't quite ready to change, but I was growing a little restless and um, had been doing what I'd been doing for quite some time and was looking for something new, exciting, different, and that would provide me with an opportunity to build something really new and really exciting uh, and that would leave a legacy. I kind of felt as if I had done the contributions. I would provide the contributions I would have provided over the 20 years in my prior role. So I finally, after a year, year and a half of intermittently talking with Bruce Kepin, I decided to make the leap and join this new venture that he had started with, with Quinnipiac University. What was the biggest challenge in identifying clinical training sites when you started? And has that changed? Well, so I would say there were two general challenges. One was to introduce our school to prospective clinical affiliates and partners and help them understand more of what we were about and our commitment to quality and that we were a, a valuable partner. And also with existing or previously established affiliates to help them learn even more about the school, uh, to learn in greater depth about the quality and benefits of being an affiliate of Netters. So that was number one. And then number two, and this is a challenge that does continue, is to, to explain, to help affiliates understand the benefits of 
teaching, of precepting our students, of preparing the healthcare workforce, the providers of the future. Well before the clerkships began, the inaugural group of clerkship directors, under the leadership of the Senior Associate Dean for Medical Education, Dr. Alan Atsuki, continued to identify faculty, forge clinical partnerships, and develop the third and fourth year clerkship curricula. As a community-based medical school, students receive their education across several affiliate partner sites and ambulatory practices, rather than in one major academic medical center. And within this system, they worked to ensure consistency across the clerkships and quality clinical learning experiences. My name is Dr. Horam Guman, and I am currently Vice President for Connecticut State Medical Society. I am the President-Elect for Connecticut Academy of Family Physicians, but at the heart, I am a practicing family physician, and I am the Clerkship Director for Primary Care at Netter, and also I direct the Family Medicine Sub-Internship for fourth-year medical students here at Netter. I think that you have had the longest tenure of any of our clerkship directors. Yeah, I think I am probably the only one left from the original six. I think so. Yeah. And what keeps you doing it? What do you like about it? So I asked myself the same question, and my response is I love what I do, and I have fun with it. As long as I can have fun with it, I'm going to keep doing it. You had a big task before you that most clerkship directors have never had, which was to start a brand new clerkship at a brand new medical school. What was that like? So the first word that comes to mind, it was scary (laughs) time. But at the same time, I think that was the best thing that I had the opportunity to build something from scratch, designing, helping with the curricular design and bringing certain, we tried certain things in our curriculum that I had the luxury of trying and to see how it unfolds. Because, you know, a lot of established medical schools will have, oh, we've done it for 20 years. Why are we changing this? So this luxury came with an exciting opportunity, but at the same time, it was a challenging, to say the least, uh, that I had to, uh, you know, dig deeper into certain learning concepts and certain, you know, pieces of the puzzle to put them all together in a way so it looks like a cohesive clerkship experience. But I think the opportunity that Netter afforded to me was the culture, and we're all brand new in certain capacities. And I remember those days, six of us, you and our dean of education at the time, like, you know, we spent so much time on every learning objective, on every piece of the policy. Should it be may, should it be must? And I remember those days because we put a lot of effort into every single piece of that policy procedure manual in each of those clinical cases. Hey, OB is doing this. Why am I doing this? Is there a need for redundancy or this is something we shouldn't do and maybe use this curricular time for something else? I think having that group around me also helped me a lot. And I, you know, I want to acknowledge your leadership in helping me personally during that time with learning about certain ways to operationalize like the thoughts that you have in mind and how do you reflect on you know piece of paper and how do you actually build a learning assessment around it it's not just teaching how you're going to assess that and then how you're going to report that so i think it was all linked the mapping to your major netter learning objectives it was an exciting scary and fabulous experience to say the least was there anything about the startup process of the clerkship or the sub-I that surprised you? Of course. I mean, you always run into the what-ifs, the unknowns. 
So I remember uh, when we first started with the curricular structure evolved from class of 17 to class of 18. Certain things we had to fine-tune, tweak for improvement based on the student feedback, based on the faculty feedback. So I think one other piece that Netter ordered me and all of us here is uh, this rapid test and rapid trial, fail and re, you know, redo the next time. So I think we, being a small medical school at the beginning and being having the luxury and the support from your dean of education and your dean to try and tweak to the benefit of our learners. So we had certain clinical cases that had to be replaced. They, we had certain didactic experiences built into the curriculum for year or class of 17, which had to be tweaked and changed. So we evolved over time, but it was the evolution was based on improvement and the feedback that we received from our students over time. So Netter has focus on excellence, and I think that brings excellence not just from our students, from our faculty engagement. And those pieces are very, very important in any medical school and professional growth for the faculty who are teaching there. And I think when the students see that growth in their faculty and they focus on excellence from the faculty on every single thing, that helps them maintain that as a part of their repertoire when they graduate and continue to strive for that excellence. So I think if I were to sum it up in one word, Netter's focus on excellence is what drives me to Netter the most. In February 2017, QU Netter received full accreditation from the LCME. Much had been accomplished in a short time, and this milestone was celebrated by the many people who had worked towards this goal. Then on May 14, 2017, the first class of students graduated at what is now the M&T Bank Arena on the Rocky Top campus of Quinnipiac University. These accomplishments were the product of collaboration between School of Medicine faculty, staff, leadership, and students, and between those in the School of Medicine, university leadership, and faculty, staff, and leadership in other schools at Quinnipiac. As you heard, there were plenty of challenges, and yet the excitement of a new and meaningful venture remained fresh in the atmosphere. Please join us for the next podcast that begins in August 2017, and takes us to the present day in 2023 and begins to look forward. Thank you for listening to QU Netter, the first decade of Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine, 10th Anniversary Oral History Podcast Series. I'm your host, Lisa Coplet. I would like to thank the people who made this podcast possible. Katie Lyons, our producer, Grace McGuire, our assistant producer, and David DeRoche, our program director. For more information on all of Quinnipiac's podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts. Mm-hmm.